0: Brazil's president, Luiz Inácio Lola da Silva, came in for significant criticism in June when he picked his then personal lawyer, Cristiano Zanin, to fill a vacant seat on the Supreme Court. To sit on the highest tribunal in the country, Lola picked a man who'd literally got him out of jail. Six months on, Brazil has another Supreme Court vacancy to fill and more controversy surrounding Lola's pick. My name's Ewan Marshall, Deputy Editor of The Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. On Monday afternoon, President Lola announced that he would nominate Justice Minister Flavio Gino to the Supreme Court, filling the vacancy left by former Chief Justice Rosa Weber, who retired in late September. And so far, the appointment has been met with a mixed response. So I've invited our Brazilian correspondent, Sede Silva, to help break down the news. Hi, Sede. So if you could just start off by telling us a bit about Flavio Gino. I mean, our listeners will probably be familiar with him since he joined the cabinet at the start of the year. But just give us a bit of a background on the man set to become the next justice of Brazil's Supreme Court. So
1: Flavio Gino is very well known to Brazilians, uh, not only because he has been the justice minister for almost a year now, uh, but he is a popular politician in his native state of Maranhão in Brazil's northeast. He, was, uh, he served two terms as governor of Maranhão, and before that, he also served as congressman. Um, he is someone close to the Workers' Party, close to uh, Lula, and he served as president of Brazil's Federal Tourism Agency during the Dilma Rousseff administration. So we're talking about uh, a nationally famous politician.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been around a bit. But what is it that makes him a good Supreme Court pick for Lola? Because Lola could certainly have picked someone more to the left. And it's not as if Dino's work as Justice Minister has gained him any significant plaudits so far.
1: Yeah, uh, so Mr. Dino is an experienced politician uh, and he is very good in public speaking and public debates. Um, the bolsonarista far-right opposition to Lula uh, has developed uh, a sense of a certain attraction for Gino. Uh They have invited or uh Dino to Congress several times this year and several times again and again. Uh, Gino uh, is very good with comebacks. He is very fast on television to reply to people. So he will be a very good um, Supreme Court in terms of televised performance, because in Brazil, Supreme Court floor sessions are all televised live. And Brazil's main newscast, in TV Globo um, often gives long segments, long stories with the judges speaking on television, so this is one of the credentials for, for Dino. He is very good in public speaking, and he's he's very good with uh, phrases and comebacks and so on. The other thing that Dino has showed uh, in his term as justice minister it ha- is that he is a bona fide uh, anti Bolsonaro person. So he um, after the January eight riots. He has been the administration's main spokesman uh, in getting to uh, convict the rioters and in saying that the, the January 8 riots were a coup attempt and that the government will take them very seriously. The other thing that the Lula administration benefits by uh, having Jino uh, in the Supreme Court if approved by, by the Senate is that... Uh, Dino has never hidden his presidential ambitions, and he does have credentials for that because um, he's reasonably young. He is 55. He has served two terms as governor, and he was actually elected a senator last year, and he has not served in the Senate because uh, he withdrew from the Senate uh, in order to become justice minister. Um, By having him in the Supreme Court... Uh, Lula and the the left wing ensure that most likely he will remain the Supreme Court for the next 20 years and thus they remove a contender in the left for the next presidential races.
0: And yeah, tell us a bit about his 11-month legacy in the Justice Ministry. Uh, I hinted there earlier that he hasn't exactly been showered with praise. In fact, a recent poll shows that 47% of Brazilians believe that the government has failed to address public security issues or corruption.
1: Yeah, that is true. And for a long time now, the Lula administration has been trying to Uh, to develop some sort of program or legacy or to deliver something on the area of public security and urban safety, and so far has failed uh, to to do so. So only a few weeks ago, uh, Justice Dino announced uh, a program to fight organized crime. Uh, This program was really not very clear, not many priorities or deadlines were given, and the budget was actually uh, really small. And uh, the reason I can confidently say that the program was not not very well designed is that uh, the House of Representatives has its own TV channel and they have a weekly program where they will have uh, one lawmaker from the government and from the opposition to debate something. And on the week that they had to debate the Flavio Gino program on public security, Uh, Even the the, the lawmaker in the government said that the priorities of the program were really not clear. And a few weeks later, uh, the Brazilian report uh, readers will remember, uh, what the Lula administration decided to do was it decided to do the so-called GLO, the Guarantee of Law and Order Operation, which has the military acquire police power. And in, in this specific GLO operation, uh, it's going to run only on federal areas, namely on Brazil's two main airports and Brazil's main harbors. Um, this gets the military involved, with, which was not just this Dino's uh, priority, because at first he wanted a role for the federal government and for state-level police uh, to play in the security role, but in the end they yielded and they gave this GLO to the military. So you are right in that the Brazilian public um, understands or a majority understands that Flávio Jun was Justice Minister, failed to address a uh, public security issues, and this is the reason why there were so many half uh, a different programs with different priorities. But One thing to his favor is that a few months ago, Gino was the one to announce that one of the main um, defendants in the Marielle Franco case, which is a case that has been going on since 2018 and is an internationally famous case, um, Gino announced that one of the defendants, the driver uh, of, of of the car in the Marielle Franco case, um, accepted the plea bargain. So to give a quick recap to our readers from abroad, Marielle Franco was a young local lawmaker from the city of Rio de Janeiro. She was shot dead in 2018. And uh, she she was from a left-wing party. Um, and at the time, it was a, a year of uh, presidential elections in Brazil. And there was only one candidate. Out of all the presidential candidates in 2018, that did not speak about the Marielle Franco case. And of course, his name is Jair Bolsonaro. And so even before Flavio Gino uh, got to announce this plea plea bargain, he was already the main target of the Bolsonaro-led opposition. So we are talking about uh, someone with uh, very strong anti-Bolsonaro credentials to the Supreme Court. Now,
0: Sede, Lola came into office at the start of the year promising that marginalised segments of the Brazilian population would be put into positions of power. His first year is almost up. He's had several important personnel picks to make, including these two seats on the Supreme Court. And he's almost completely favoured white men. What gives?
1: Well, my personal understanding to that is polarization. So when you have a polarized system, the thing is you remove incentives for either side uh, to actually do rational choices. Uh, because since it becomes a team thing, rather than a policy thing or a, or a choice thing, uh, you just don't have incentives to do anything uh, rational because you know you're not going to win or lose any votes with Either decision. So, for example, let's suppose that Lula is going to nominate the Supreme Court a gunslinging cowboy, uh, evangelical, and so on. Is any Bolsonarista going to vote for Lula in the next election because of this? And uh, we, we know that that they don't. They won't, because in a polarized system, they're not going to vote f- for for Lula. Uh, it, it doesn't matter uh, any choices or any policies that he uh, takes. And on the other hand, the same is also true that Lula is not going to lose votes from the left uh, even if he nominates uh, a white man or or a gunslinging cowboy or an evangelical person that is strongly against abortion, is strongly against marijuana and so forth. Uh, it, It really doesn't matter because in a polarized system, they're going to vote for the left wing no matter what. So when you have a polarized system, uh, you, you remove the incentives for the leaders to make choices to appease either side and they can just uh, make decisions that are good for them or for their own group. And this, my understanding, is uh, what uh, happened in Flavio Gino's case. He has been always close to the left wing. He has previously worked in the Dilma Rousseff administration, which was uh, Lula's uh, successor. He's a bona fide Anti Bolsonaro person, so he has all the credentials uh, that would be desirable for Lula, even though he doesn't really have, uh, apart from his fight against Bolsonarismo, he really doesn't have any other credentials uh, that the left wing or people in the left side uh, would really want. But the thing is, Lula knows that he's not going to lose uh, those people's votes
0: very interesting. And in part two, we'll look ahead to what's next for the Supreme Court nominee and who is set to take his spot as Justice Minister. We'll be right back. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to The Brazilian Report the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We're an independent organisation funded by our subscribers and you can help us stay independent and continue to produce award-winning journalism. And if you're already a subscriber, you can go the extra mile and join our Buy Me A Coffee fan page. And in return, you'll get exclusive perks like special newsletters and behind-the-scenes content as well as a shout-out here in our podcast. And today, I'd like to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Andrei Novoseltsev, Tom Nolan, Marta Martins, Pan Ludwig, Leslie Seal, Caroline Hubert, Mark Hillary, John Thomas III, Louise Renz, Erwan Menais, Orlando Black, Steve Knapp, Aaron Berger, James Coney, Kars Vriesvik, Alistair Townsend, Peter Abramson, Jim Awofadeju, Michael Fryer, Mila Renacido, David Dixon, Josette Ozy Stankovic, Emerging Market Muser, Jardin Eftach, Tonika Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Peter Sufferin, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. And our Buy Me A Coffee members come from all over the world, so please, if we're butchering the pronunciation of your name, do send us an email. And if you too believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash brazilian report and subscribe to one of the membership levels. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport to learn more. Welcome back. So, Sede, tell us how the confirmation process works for the Supreme Court because the president has the right to nominate whoever he likes, but there are still hoops to jump through before Flavio Gino gets his seat, right?
1: Yeah, so just like in the United States, uh, the president gets to nominate uh, whoever he wants for the Supreme Court, as long of course, he is over 35. Uh, but then there is the nomination in the Senate, so you get a Senate hearing. But Senate hearings in Brazil are much lighter than they are in the United States, of uh, To begin with, most always uh, the confirmation hearing is only one day in Brazil, as opposed to several days as it is in the United States. And you have the result uh, really pretty soon. Uh, The the quorum, the threshold for being approved is just uh, half plus one in the Senate. So that's 41 votes out of 81. So it is very likely uh, that Dino will be uh, accepted.
0: And Flavio Gino, once he's in the chair, what should we expect from him for major trials
1: well that's that's really hard to predict the future. you know once people get in the in the court and they get in that seat, sometimes they will uh change their minds and we also know that the Supreme Court in Brazil often the justices uh disagree with themselves, so they have they have changed their minds, for instance about Lula being in prison or not. So you have the same justice. Uh, he will, he'll say something and he will rule uh, against himself uh, a few years later. So that's that's uh, hard to decide. Uh, but one thing that we know is that is not precisely on Dino's positions, but on Mr. Dino's uh, behavior. Once he's in the seat, he's going to make uh, funny quips, funny comebacks, Uh, He's going to make smart sound, things that sound very smart and they're very good for television. And he's going to be a major uh, televised star uh, because the Supreme Court um, floor meetings, they're all televised live.
0: And yeah, we're all going to have to get used to him, right? Because he's probably going to be on that bench for another about 20 years, right?
1: Precisely. Since he's 55 now and the mandatory retirement age is 75 we, could, we can expect him if confirmed to be on the Supreme Court for the next twenty years, unless of course he resigns uh from the from the Supreme Court in order to run for office, which is not impossible because he himself has done so once he He was a judge, a lower court judge for twelve years, and he gave up on that judge career in order to run for Congress, and he uh, was successfully elected. Uh, for for one term as a congressman, and then follow that uh, with two terms uh, with governor. And the other thing that can change, of course, is that Brazil, much like uh, the rest of the world, is a rapidly aging country. So perhaps we will see an extension to the uh, 75-year term limit, uh, perhaps um, several years into the future.
0: And Sede, what about the vacant justice minister spot that Flavio Gino is going to leave behind? What are we hearing at this early stage?
1: Well, as usual in the Brazilian press, there's a lot of open speculation about uh, people who would like to be nominated. Among them, uh, Planning Minister Simone Tebet, who also has a background uh, in uh, judicial and, and justice uh, topics. And also, former Supreme Court Justice Ricardo Lewandowski, who retired early this year, uh, and his feet was already sealed by, was already filled by Cristiano Zanin, who used to be Lula's lawyer. And Ricardo Lewandowski is still active, uh, he's still a lawyer, uh, for, in, including for some powerful companies, and he's very close to Lula. So Ricardo Lewandowski, who is, uh, 75, could also return to the Brazilian hotspot in the justice ministry. One thing that Lula does is that he will will use uh, political offices and jobs in order to benefit uh, the so-called centrão politicians who vote vote in exchange for political positions. Uh, But the justice ministry is also a very key, important ministry. So perhaps Lula will prefer to have someone very close to him uh, as opposed to having someone in the center. But that that remains to be seen. One of the key things of being justice minister is uh, because you were the the boss of the boss of the federal police. So that's a a very important role. And former President Jair Bolsonaro understood that very well and used the position of justice minister uh, in order to interfere in how the federal police was working. So it's it's a very sensitive position, and so Lula will be very careful in nominating Mr. Regina's replacement, which will only come... Uh, at the earliest, late in the year after Mr. Dino is safely confirmed by the Senate as the next uh, Supreme Court Justice.
0: And I'm sure we'll hear plenty of speculation between now and then. Thanks for joining us, today. Until next time.
1: Thank you, Ion. Thank you for having me.
0: If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It only takes a second and it will help us reach a wider audience. Or, better yet, subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model, and your memberships fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. Thanks to our subscribers, we've been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively, and our work has won and been shortlisted for several international journalism awards. More recently, our newsletters won the best newsletter prize in the Americas from the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers for a small or local newsroom. And in order to keep doing that work, we need your support. So go to Brazilian.Report/Subscribe. I'm Ewan Marshall. Thanks for listening. And Explaining Brazil will be back next week.